From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 212, and today I'm joined by Mike McFadden, a man of many television writing credits, including Jan. Also joining me is Daniel Grant, a fellow podcaster on the That Shelf Network. Check out his podcasts, Spoiled Rotten or Movies vs. Matrimony. I think I got the title of that right. I do listen to it, I swear. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Serpico. I am Jeremy Lalonde, and I have seen this film once a very long time ago. Uh, also with me tonight, uh, I'll let them introduce themselves. We have uh, Mike. Yeah, hey, I'm Mike McFadden, and I have not seen this movie. I am Daniel Grant. I have not seen this movie. I'm very, like, I remember some very small pieces of it. I think, I, I mean, I, I think we all know who's in it. Yes. We, that's not a spoiler to... to no, I know fact, who the when you is. when you first posted about this in the group and I jumped on it and said, I haven't seen it. About 10 minutes later, I realized that I'd flipped Serpico and Scarface in my head. Mm. But the good news is I haven't seen either. Oh, great. So, so it's still good. Well, yeah, I just actually be the, different. The funny thing. Yeah. Very, well, almost the exact opposite in a way. Right. Um, yeah. Without giving anything away. Um, and I, I just did. I got a Pacino thing going on in these episodes because I just did Scarface recently. So uh, for those who haven't listened to that episode, that that'll be uh, a couple a couple before this by the time these all air. Um, yeah, I I do remember like without giving anything away, I remember enjoying liking Pacino more in this than I did in Scarface. That's what I'm hoping because. As someone who did see Scarface, I was like, I just this does not work for me the way it works for everyone else. No, it's well, wait till you hear that episode. We uh, yeah. it, it wasn't the love fest. Uh, okay. Spoiler alert! It's a right. weird movie. It's such a like my when I think of Scarface, I think of like college boys poster walls. Like, yeah, and I saw it right at that time too. Like, I saw it late. I saw it in college, and was just like, it's still like I feel like uh, I'm gonna be quiet about this because everyone loves it, and I'm just not. <laughs> I, it's not working for me. It's one of those things. So, uh, outside of knowing that Pacino is in it, what do you guys know about Serpico? I know Nothing. that was. I know Serpico was a real guy. Oh, okay. See, I didn't even know that. That doesn't spoil anything. I don't think. That's no, I, the, that's I, just the source material. Yeah. Uh, I I know, yeah. I I genuinely don't know anything. I think it has to do with cops, but I also realized that um, I didn't mistake it for Scarface. I mistook it for Dog Day Afternoon. Like I thought that was going to be the plot of Serpico, um, which I've already seen Dog Day Afternoon, so I know it's obviously not that plot. So, so now I just have no. I have nothing. I, I'm just like it's going to have Al Pacino. 
Yeah, and I've done Dog Day too. Dog Day was like an old, old episode. I think that's like in the fifties. So uh, hi, Christine Horn. So I'm just watching Mike's screen and go back. She's that's the weird thing you do on a podcast is to yell at somebody that is not part of it. Yeah, so fun. <laughs> also, you're wearing headphones, so she can't hear me. Exactly. I mean, um, say hi to Christine for me later on, Mike. If I see her around, I'll say. I'll say okay. something. Sure. You never know. Um. Yeah, Dog uh, Day is so good too. This is um, I before I'd seen Serpico, I always just knew it as a pop culture reference, mm-hmm. um, as something yeah. like someone screams out. That's all I. Uh, that was my only thing. So, so I won't. So what? So let, I guess the one thing I wouldn't mind just like getting a sense of for you two before we jump into this without, and this doesn't ruin anything for this. What like kind of Al Pacino? enjoy what films do you like because i find pacino is broken into like for me it's like there's a yelling pacino like scent of a woman post pacino where it's just like everything just seemed to be a scream fest and then there's like really small nuanced pacino which is more like dog day and godfather and i was just curious and then there's like without saying giving anything away about this there's this other like show booty pacino where is like between the two, which is what you get for Scarface and some other things. Um, for me, I think this will just probably be because of when I saw it. I I liked him in Any Given Sunday. I liked him in Donnie, yeah, Donnie Brasco, and um, uh, and I like his like not even later, but I liked him in like the Irishman. Like I thought he was genuinely really good in yeah. the Irishman. And then I like him in Godfather. So it's like, I'm trying to piece together more and more Al Pacino performances that I like. Mike, do you Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, there's that saying, you know, great acting is just overacting without getting caught. And I feel like <laughs> he normally gets, like a lot of times he gets caught. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but people seem to love that. And I yeah. kind of like the ones where he's almost phoning it in. Like I remember there was a movie, I think it was called sea of love <laughs> I don't know. way back when it w- it's very much like on B side for his my uh, f- IMDB. And it, yeah. it's like, he's just kind of phoning it in and he's great. Cause he's just kind of <laughs> the most yeah. interesting actor who's just doing it for the paycheck. Yeah. My favorite bad Pacino movie, I think, is oh, what's I just had the name and I forgot it again. It's The Devil's Advocate. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's yeah, the where he plays him the and, devil. Him and Keanu. Oh, it's so it's so terrible, and that's like pure him like cashing a check. But he is just chewing scenery in that movie, and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have to revisit that, but I yeah, I I think of the yeah i wasn't a fan of scarface i didn't really like scent of a woman but i think i've missed a lot of al pacino as well like so it's not fair but like i i kind of felt like i liked him when he was kind of playing like a loser almost like a kind of out of down and out type guy which still can be over the top but at least it's like lower status i kind of like him in that in that vein no, like even just watching his trajectory through like the three Godfather films is really interesting too because because um, when he went to do the third one, it was like in that central woman phase mm. of his career, right? And it's a very different like just watching how Michael Corleone changes. Um, 
It's interesting. And then it's really interesting to watch. I don't know. I'm nerdy. So I, I picked that up when it came out on Blu-ray last year. But they did, Coppola did a recut of the third Godfather, like the way he'd always wanted it to be. And it, mm-hmm. and it came out. And it made me, because I hated that the first time I saw it. Uh, and it made it better. And it, and it kind of like fixed his performance, which is part of the problem. Like it was that really scene-chewery uh, Pacino, which they dialed down a hair. Because uh, it's also, it's like, this is like, the Michael Corleone in Godfather is so different from that kind of character that he played later on in his career. I mean, you can also buy that it's like, yeah, this is a guy that's aged. And so he's changed as well. He's not going to be the same guy that was in that movie 30 years ago because... Yeah. I'm a different person than I was five years ago, you know, just like anyone is. Uh, but it just felt like more, like there's more of a through line uh, through them. I'm going to have to watch that, like the redone version, I think. Uh, Cause I have, I have not yet. I dug I it too. I dug it. I really, really dug it. Well, one, one thing people are like, I can, I can, if no, people haven't seen it, we can do that for a podcast because I, I, I have it on, on Blu-ray. Okay. So uh, that could be a, a, a back in the studio once once all is allowed to be. So that would be great. Is it substantially longer or shorter? It is. I think it's shorter or long. I don't know it's, if it's longer. It didn't feel longer. It was one of those ones. I remember it was similar like when the Apocalypse Now Redux came out. Even though it was longer, it felt it didn't feel longer to me because it flowed better. Okay. Right. Nah, it's I probably long. that. It's probably still long either way. <laughs> Makes sense, but I, I do appreciate a long movie that doesn't feel long. Yeah, one of them. All right, so I guess without, because I don't want to get into any spoilery stuff, and I also don't remember much about this movie other than a few key things. Uh, let's dive into Serpico. Yeah, I, right. I can't imagine it's going to live up to what I assumed the movie was about when I was like a young teenager and would just see it on the shelf at Blockbuster, and I would be like, oh, Serpico, that's probably about a guy who turns into a snake. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to spoil anything but i think you're going to be disappointed <laughs> if that's what you're walking into mike <laughs> let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat all right so we just finished and uh oh i guess i'll go first i i found it very interesting that uh especially after last year with the the focus on cops and and uh all the campaigns and slogans I'm like this seems like uh people could watch this movie and be like wow not a lot has changed a lot of the same complaints of uh you know there can be a good cop there but probably will get worn down or, or attempted attempts on their life like it's a very dangerous thing being a good cop in that sense yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, what did you think? Uh, I totally echo that. It was uh, amazing how much it was making me think about, you know, the last year and the conversations that people have been having. And it was interesting what was, from the the movie's perspective, these are the things that cops shouldn't be doing. But then there was another layer of stuff that was sort of, didn't feel like it was part of what was being commented on. It was just sort of like the background behavior as well that we have a different perspective on as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was two, I, two, two things, two, two layers going on at once. 
Yeah. yeah and, and what I really like about it, I mean, part of it is that it's based it's, and it's fascinating too, because it's based on a true story that was happening at the time. Like literally they started shooting like within a year of the story breaking. Yeah. I noticed that it was like, it came out in 73 and then they're like, and he, he left in 72. I'm like, wow, that's uh very soon after they were, we're getting a movie. They were oh, I didn't it. put that together. That's amazing. It's so fast. Um, and there's a, there's a, cool interview i remember reading at one point about pacino like hung out with serpico a lot like they became pals and just really got to know him and he asked him once he's just like why like uh, why like why the fuck would you do it like why wouldn't you just shut up and take the bribes and just like just mind your own business like why would you do it he's like because and and, and serpico's response was because i wouldn't know who i was when i listened to music if i did that it's a good answer (laughs) It's a, wow. a very know, thoughtful answer. Yeah, it's like, I don't know who, who I'd be. And it's just like, that's, and that's what I, and I like about, and, and it's funny because you hear that quote and you watch Pacino's performance and you're like, I kind of feel that. Like, that guy just, like, he's like, I just don't want to take it. He's like, I don't care if you take it. It's like, but just don't, like, I can still be a good cop. We can still hang out. I can still be your mm-hmm. partner. It's just like, just don't make it a thing. And I also, now that he's, I've got that quote on my head. There's the scene where he's listening to the music. That's how he meets. I can't remember her name now. The his second love interest, and it's kind of like he seems way more at peace there. And then obviously, it's just he's just more stressful as the movie goes on. Yeah, I I, I, I forgot about his, his like love of animals. Like there's a little beat with the mice and he's got that parrot at one point or they're not maybe it's not a parrot whatever that yeah i can't remember yeah cockatoo or something like that uh the mouse (laughs) he tells the story about how yeah he helps me he helps me find heroin he's like yeah Yeah, he's like like, oh you heard of that like like, they don't need to do anything other than that And, and you know that like little bits of that must just be pure anecdotal stuff Mm -hmm. that that frank relayed to the writers or producers or whoever uh like the nice thing about this being so close to when it happened and serpico obviously you know living through the ordeal and being able to tell about it is there feels like so much like nuance and there's so much about it just feels really authentic um definitely and, and, and lived in like even those little moments like that that first time when the cops are shooting at him when he's trying to get that collar of that guy and he's like, Jesus fuck. It's like, if I die, it's not going to be from you assholes. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, cause I was like, I didn't know the story. So I was just like, Oh, like, I guess they're letting you know he dies at the beginning. I, sh- I should have known. Obviously he's not going to, this is how they're beginning. But like, I thought like, Oh, he's definitely going to get shot by a cop. Then like, this is, this is it. They're calling the shot. And I was like, come on, turn into a snake. <laughs> then you can get away. It, it, I that is one thing I did really like about how the movie was made is that like I feel like as an audience member you are like frustrated with him like come on just give in or stop doing what you're doing and it's obviously the same frustration he's having with all these cops because he keeps bouncing around precincts being like come on like can't this place be good and you're being like no it's never going to be good stop what you're doing uh, so I, I like that you kind of like are on the same path as him throughout the movie of or at least I was of being like you know frustrated and like kind of depressed of like come on man like this isn't going to work out 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. he's not this like he's not this like purely perfect, um, you know, selfless good cop. He's a good cop who also has he definitely has career ambitions. He's, mm-hmm. He has and he wants to avoid a certain amount of like hassle and keep himself reasonably safe. Like it, there's some nice nuance to it in balance there. Yeah, he's just he doesn't he doesn't have uh, overhead. He's like, what do I need the money for? He's like, what do I, what, what's it, what's it worth? You know, and there's something that's kind of just beautiful about that too, like his kind of mentality about it. it's like why why what's it what's the point of it? Uh, yeah, he I'm, says like oh like if I had a if I had a family or whatever, but I don't, and that and if I was poor, he's like, but I'm not, so like I just don't need it. You do it, do whatever you got to do, but I'm, I'm I just such a, a back ass like yeah. Shitty comment to them. It's like you guys are all shitty yeah. people, and I'm not. I'm just. Okay. <laughs> if I was a shitty person, I would take it. But you know, it's okay that you are. I'm just. I mean, Serpico is the bad guy in this movie, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly. If you're everywhere, yeah. Like, there's if the you're cops every other him, and, or the people that are like, "Come on, just take the stand." You, he is definitely the antagonist in your story. Yeah. Uh, initially, this was supposed to be a vehicle for Robert Redford and um, Paul Newman. Hmm. Uh, really? and, pa- and Paul Newman was going to be the Tony Roberts part. Okay. What I particularly loved was how, like, Serpico makes the joke early on about why he has the mustache, uh, commenting about, like, how shitty the undercover cops are. And but then just, like, how that just sticks, like, all their wardrobe. They're just so obviously cops. All of them, yeah. Like the only person that I thought like was taking his note was, I guess it's the guy who's in the passenger seat. Then the when he does get shot in the face, he's 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 in the car with the four people, and the guy sitting in the passenger seat. I'm like, I guess I wouldn't assume he's a cop. Like he looks like he could actually be undercover. But everyone, yeah, throughout the movie, everyone else, like anytime he's standing next to someone, you're like, well, that's the cop, right? Right. The uh, it's funny because I actually have an uncle who like was like a, a a cop in like you know the eighties and nineties with a mustache when all cops had mustaches and they were not in style anymore and he was like the hardest thing is just trying to you know he was based in Manitoba he'd like come to Toronto and want to get buy you know <laughs> Jay's tickets from a scalper and suddenly then no one had tickets on he because they could smell right. it on a mile away but it was because of the mustache this is. Got the whole, uh, a whole different mustache era. Yeah, it was like that. That, but that was the thing. It was like firefighters and uh, and policemen always had mustaches where I grew up. Right. And I was told it was because, like, all like I think all small town men have facial hair, uh, but they but firefighters can't have beards because it's against fire regulation. You're just more likely to burn your face, I guess. Mm. Um, that makes sense to me. I, I wouldn't know, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know why mustaches were okay, but they all had like handlebar mustaches, but no beards. Hey, <laughs> speaking of that, the the scene towards the end with a bunch of them in the car, did you catch an, a young F. Murray Abraham? Yes, I did. Because I was like, are, are they in Scarface together too? Like, I was just like, oh, like they're, oh, like, yeah. that was, that's, that's a nice little pairing there. <laughs> Sorry, I keep ruining Scarface. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did notice F. Murray. At first, I was like, "That can't be," and I'm like, "No, it's I. I definitely think, I definitely think that's F. Murray Abraham." Yeah, and it is funny that the the, 
the Scarface connection in a weird way, just because this is exactly the opposite movie of that. Like this is like nuanced and layered, mm-hmm. uh, and Scarface is n- the exact opposite. Very of that. loud, right? <laughs> very loud and big, and also just like I think this is glorifying violence and guns <laughs> in America. It's uh, anyway, but we uh, although I, I I did for the first I don't know. 20% of the movie, I was kind of thinking, man, Pacino's a weird guy. <laughs> just, I was thinking the same thing. He's weird. He's a weird dude. But then at a certain point, I went, okay, no, 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 this is a choice. I think Super Serpico is a weird guy. And then it started to really snowball mm-hmm. how much he was so embracing, like, you know, uh, 70s Renaissance man, enlightened guy surrounded by lunkhead cops and his various uh you know idiosyncrasies i thought okay no no no, this is a choice and then again i came back around to like but i think pacino's <laughs> still a bit of a weird guy too oh 100 uh he's great though he he considers this one of his favorite performances um i love that bit with him him and tony uh tony roberts or tony randall who is it tony roberts uh where they're all passing around the marijuana cigarettes and they both like light up right away. They're like, this is good stuff. I did like interactions like that where, as you said, it felt like way more authentic and like real. They're just like, oh, this is some good shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> got it. I, I like that the, that sort of extended sequence of that party that he was at with the, the especially first, his dancing. Well, I, yeah. whoa, first like, when he was dating. And I don't know, I don't know a lot about 70s filmmaking practices, but I have a hard time believing that wasn't actually a party. Right, probably at least for a good party. fifty or sixty percent of the people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just Isn't he talking the to someone on like crutches at some point, and I just feel like, yeah, like maybe that was just a party they were crashing, and that guy just happened to have crutches. It's a very, <laughs> very specific extra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love little bits like because that's it. It's like either that's a real thing or their level of background detail is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean sometimes like for those you know, crowd stuff rather than being like a very formalized, like find background performers who are, you know, have a part of a background agency or whatever. Like, I think some of that stuff is like, Hey, if you have these kind of clothes and you're hip and cool, show up at this place at this time. And Hmm. (laughs) this guy, you know, you get who you get. I could see that. Yeah. And meet Al Pacino. Uh, oh, I mean, Pacino wasn't Pacino yet, right? He had just come off of making The Godfather. Um, it probably was just coming out. Like, he wasn't a huge name yet, right? Um, and that's what the, the, the design was. Like, the reason I think they, they shied away from Robert Redford eventually was because they wanted the movie to have this authentic feel and not to be, like, populated with movie stars. So it like like down to a lot of like like the a lot of the supporting parts and that kind of stuff are are non professional actors. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me because I was uh, one of those things I kept not looking at it because I knew we were doing this movie, but I was like, I wonder who else is in this movie other than Al Pacino. And I was like, not that many people like that, or at least <laughs> that I know. Like, I was no, just like there's so, the one, and it was good for immersing yourself, even though I still like seeing actors i know i was still like wow like this is like you really get put into this world yeah the only other actor that was familiar with me 
was, and I don't know his name, he's like a character actor. He was also in The Sting. He was the one, one of the cops. He was like that first cop that takes him in. And he's like, I got to check in. He's like, no, 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 just come with me. Oh, okay, that guy. It's that guy. He's also, he plays like a con man in The Sting. Hmm. Yeah, there was a there was a there was a handful of like character actors who've just done a million cop shows that I I was recognizing. Yeah, just like the that have been middle aged their whole lives. <laughs> the who's who of New York character actors. Oh man. Oh uh, yeah, wasn't a guy? There was a guy who was like a regular on Law and Order. Probably. Yeah, I can only imagine. Can you imagine like the the background casting books of like the New York casting directors? Those things must just be like the best coffee table books ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just some faces. Great images. Yeah, I know uh, who is it? Well, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, Woody Allen's uh, casting director always said that she just kept like a book of because he was very particular about the kind of uh, extras he liked, and so she had a book of just faces for him that she would like keep aside because mm-hmm. she knew that they would be right for him. And, and I think she did similar things with other filmmakers that she worked with when, when she got this sense of like what they liked. Um, Cause it's different. Like, like books. Well, just, you got to imagine it's a very different look than like the ones you get from like the LA casting directors. Cause it's just such a different life and lifestyle of like new, the, the average New Yorker who would be a background performer versus like, the average LA background performer who is actually just trying to still be an A-lister. Right. Where I think like the background people in, in New York are just lifers. Like that's what they do and they're fine with it and they're not looking to advance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, can, I can see that. About <laughs> casting for like guest parts and bit parts on Seinfeld was like, uh, you know, they wanted weird faces first and then we'll see which of the weird faces can act. Or is, or, you know, or is like, you know, it's just sort of like a very interesting look, but, you know, so has like, you know, a huge Broadway resume, but you're going to have them be just like a weird guy at the next table in the sandwich shop on Seinfeld. Yeah. I know I've had that just walking through like casting rooms uh, when I've been on the other side of the table and just like walking through and just seeing who's about to read for me. And seeing some faces, I'm like, oh fuck! If you can, if you can breathe, you get the part. Like just based on your, <laughs> based on your look alone, I want, I want to photograph you in my movie. Please be able to breathe and walk and say a line. Please just give me, a, give me those. Days. <laughs> uh, and that's how I met oh, that- Sesmer. No. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should devote the next 25 minutes to just talking about hats. In this movie, oh, some very fun hats in this movie. Yeah, um, he's he's got like a in like I don't know the second to last segment. He's got that kind of I don't even know what kind of hat you would call it. I always it? called it the Serpico hat because that's the only time I've ever seen that in this yeah. movie. It's like it's like a weird fisherman's hat. Yes, that's uh, that's what I was thinking. It was but like it's not really. Hat. But it's more like it's like a combination because it's more smoother than that, and the and the, te- the the texture of the or the fabric is different. It's almost like a weird like it's almost like what are those called? The safari hats. The those um like the Tilly type thing. Yeah, well, he the, the hats were like. A real like fishing hat, but the bucket hat lampshade type shapes yes. going on. Like, 
I don't yeah. know. I feel like the seventies were experimenting with like the types of shapes you can put on a human head and it's flattering. And I feel like that experiment is over. <laughs> You've gone back to some certain basic <laughs> yeah. things like baseball caps, berets, cowboy hats, and you know, not much else. Definitely we ruled. not as creative as the Serpico stuff. That <laughs> <laughs> was very creative. And there was a couple times where it was like, I try, I've, I've learned through doing a few of these with, with you, Jeremy, I try to watch, I try not to only watch the movie through the lens of, wow, things have changed, which is hard. Cause sometimes you're watching, you know, a movie that's got some miles on it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the world has changed and filmmaking has changed and storytelling has changed. Um, but I try not to only be looking at it through that lens, but some of those hats were really kind of challenging my ability to just follow the story. And then there was a the one scene where, he was just coming in from some un, you know, un, you know, uh, off camera undercover work where he was dressed in Hasidic Jewish attire, and then yeah. leaves. And I was like, "Now that now I feel like I'm watching Thirty Rock." Nobody makes. There's a couple, and there's another one where he just has a cane. Yeah, no, he's. I feel like I saw like four of them where I'm just like, it seems like a bit, even though it's not a funny movie at all. It just seems like that this is an adventure we'll never hear about. Exactly. <laughs> but that's what I kind of loved about it. And they never yeah. reference it at all. Like, mm-hmm. it just feels like, like in a combination between that and, and the hats, like the costume design on this movie is having a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to look it up while we talk and see who the costume designer was. Not that I know costume designers. I'm not that kind of nerd, but uh, I'm just curious. <laughs> I would be surprised if I knew the name. <laughs> but I'm just curious what else they've done in terms, and if there's any like, and I go, oh, yeah, right. That's why those clothes in that movie were uh, were of that ilk. Um. While you're I'm looking. imagining they're they're basing a lot of what he was wearing on exactly the kind of stuff that yeah. Zepico was wearing. Like it's, I don't know, it's Anna Hill Johnson. She did uh, Godfather and Fletch Lives, Arthur Two. Okay. Oh, the verdict, Ragtown, all over the place. Wow. She uh, Dog Day. So Al must have liked her a lot. Yeah. She did a whole bunch of movies with him. Played against Sam. Yeah, no, she did some good stuff. So she's uh, Bye Bye Bert Braverman, which uh, Ken Cooper has been trying to get me to watch. And she did Frankenstein Meets the Space Monster. Uh, <laughs> there you go. She has got my favorite resume of anyone ever. She's that, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a life well lived, I gotta say. <laughs> anyone that can, that can costume design Frankenstein versus the Space Monster and then The Godfather within a span of like less than a decade. That's fantastic. That's just someone who I want to have dinner with. Yeah. She's definitely got an interesting eye. She's got stories. Yeah. Um, what else happens in this movie? Like, cause I feel like the movie is a lot of me just being like, yeah, he, he found the corruption. He's going to need to transfer. And then at a certain point, he loses the ability to make the transfers. And you're like, oh, boy. Like, I wonder what's going to happen now. The, I can't remember the guy's name. It's just kind of like, well, you know, I, I, maybe you just stay here and collect information. I can't yeah. do anything for you. 
It's interesting because the movie, like, I, I, I forgot how much I, I dug this movie. Like, I really like. It's not like the fastest paced movie by any no. means, and there, but there's something nice about it, and it's very, it's very much of its time in terms of the '70s and just like the storytelling style and technique and pace. And I appreciate that because I think like because this this story is so um, relevant today, still sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it makes you think, you know, the modern version of this story would be just more intense. Like, I kind of like that it's not like none of the cops are because like, we've seen, you know, it's a trope. The corrupt cop is such a trope character. Right. Yes. In movies. And, and you know, there's so many movies just about that, you know, and, and particularly it's like you look at like so many like comedy, especially in the comedy genre of these kind of movies where it's like someone witnesses a corrupt cop doing something. And then, you know, the bad guys are after them. They can't go to the cops because the cops are, they're all in on it. And it's like, that's like it's such a huge trope. But what I love about this is that it's like, it's not like he's trying to take down like this big score or he's trying to like take down a big kingpin inside of it. It's just like the, the general base level of corruption and how it's just like, seated everywhere and there's no escaping it like i love that it's not about oh if i just take down this one cop the entire department will fall and i'll clean up everything it's just more going i really appreciated that yeah it's it's an honest look at it we're like nowadays it's you just feel like the story machine of today would force me well who is the bad guy like there's gotta be one person that we can funnel all of our Frank can like try to take down and then he wins. It's and not I feel like that. in this movie, they even, he says multiple times, like, yeah, you're just like sacrificing a couple of people to make it look like change is happening, but nothing like it's not changing anything. You're just giving up some people. So it, it is getting rid of that idea of like just this individual issue. And it's a systemic issue. And I, I appreciated that they kept that going throughout the movie. Well, it's a movie about like it, it's, it's an institutionalized movie where it's just like he has like 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 you were you guys were saying at the beginning of the of our conversation. It's like he's got two choices. He can either try to burn it down or join it. You mm-hmm. know, uh, and the whole movie we're sitting there going, it's like it'd be so much easier if we just took a hundred bucks a month. Even that one point, they're just like just take a hundred bucks a month. He's what for my secretary for right, yeah. my, my dinners out. And they're like, fuck it, fine, we'll split your stupid money. Like they're so mad about it. <laughs> they get so angry. You're a schmuck. Okay, so it is Lori, because she tells the like wise king story, and you're and I, I like that interplay too, where he's just like, It sounds like you're trying to tell me something. She's like, What me? And basically saying, like, Yeah, you you're in the village where everyone drank from the well. So they're gonna keep thinking you're crazy and that you're bad until you drink from the well. <laughs> Um, which he never will, uh, but it is because she kind of like puts it into that package for him. Yeah, well, but it's just like I mean, it's it's thematically relevant just in so many ways. Just in the way that it's like, you know, I think the the one thing our culture has gotten a lot more you know woke about is just this idea is that you know if you're just a bystander, you're just as bad as the mm-hmm. people who are part of the problem right if you're not part of the solution you're part of the problem you know that, yeah that, and he's that definitely is. trying to be part of the solution throughout the movie like he, yeah he, he wants i think he starts off being like oh i'll just be a good cop and then i think he realizes no like i need people to like hear about this but the right people 
But yeah, at one point he just, it's just like he can't he just can't sit back and do nothing because it's just like what like I I think any you know what, what's so endearing about his character is like he just believes that there can be a better system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know we know fifty years later that there's not. <laughs> no, and I mean he does say like. It, the issue is that the people at the top have been at the top for far too long. So it is like, he's like kind of acknowledging like, yeah, like, I mean, even That's, when he tries to pivot away from that, he's like, Oh, like I can't even do anything here because it's all connected in the sense of like, Oh, well, we're not going to do that. Like when he was on the stand, he's like, you never let me talk about this. And they're like, well, yeah, we're obviously not going to talk about that. We can't, we can't do that to the cops. <laughs> Yeah, but that's but that's that's the story of most industry, right? Like our industry is seeing this giant shape up, shake up, where it's like you know the thing I was saying even five years ago about when when we were finally getting more woke about just like you know uh, you know gender parity and and um, representation and all that kind of stuff. That it's just like the thing I kept coming back to is like, look, it's like I'm all for it, and I, I know it means I'm probably going to work less, and other people I know are going to work less. But it also means more opportunity to be up there for more. But the thing that kept on annoying me is like the people that are making decisions and telling people that we have to do all this are the same fucking, you know, typical Caucasian cis people that have been there for a decade. And so it's like, why are we not shift changing that up? Because they're just the ones at the top making out the checklist to make sure we do all the right things. But you're not really getting to the heart. You're not, you're not like getting to the heart of the problem until the entire fucking tree gets shooken up. Yes, exactly. You know? uh, and, and we're finally starting to see that now at this point, you know, in, in terms of the, the television film industry inside of Canada anyway. Um, and, and I think in the States, it's just way too far engrossed in profit <laughs> yeah. and money that then the people who own the agencies and the studio, they're just like, no. <laughs> no thank you <laughs> no i mean they're doing better because they're get they're they're getting pressure from the public i think even kevin feige put out a thing today saying it's like yeah we yeah, fucked up that. when we cast tilda stunton that was a bad choice we thought we were being really progressive and smart because we weren't doing the cliched thing of casting like the old wise asian stock man to play that character but you know there was another version of that it didn't have to be that or didn't have to be you know, right. a Caucasian woman, you know, right. we, we, we thought we were actually being progressive by doing that and realized, Oh shit. No, we were not. Uh, well, it's good to see him say that. Yeah. I, I read that uh, just earlier today. Um, I was surprised that they didn't, that, that it took that long for them to comment on that. Cause they kind of, their first tactic was to defend themselves and, yeah. then, and then ignore I guess they were waiting for Endgame to come out and they're like, well, now we don't need Tilda Swinton anymore. It was right. a mistake. Like, we don't want to piss her off if we need her back for another movie. <laughs> Just to wait until reshoots are done yeah. and then we can we can do but phase two of becoming woke. woke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt, and then there also words, there was, I felt like there was a lot of patting themselves on the back for like a pretty, like an incredibly small uh, gay character in I think it was Endgame, near the beginning, right, in that director. therapy scene yeah. with with uh, Captain America, uh, and it was like, wow, it's, you know, it was like forty five hours of movies, and this is the first <laughs> character, in uh, an, an LGBTQ character, and they, I don't even think they're a named character, but no, got touted as like, look at us, huh? 
Pat well, us I mean, on the I back. I hope. I hope in inter- Eternals, it's the first of many times where they actually have a named character who is in a uh, not heterosexual relationship. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it is. No, they've definitely like since then they've they've got you know there's definitely a, a stronger push for them to just internally just to like develop because they've gotten a diverse palette of characters um, to, to start pushing them more and more, especially, you know, in, in the wake of just how well Black Panther did. Uh, and, you know, that was just proof that it's like, look, it's like these stories will be embraced, you yes. know, it, it's, 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 it's funny. It's like in a different capacity. Like, I think it was one of those things where like when guardians first came out, like nobody knew who the fuck the guardians of the galaxy were, unless you were like a hardcore nerd, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's not a movie that should have done well, just based on like, it's based on IP that so few nerds know. Yeah. Uh, but it did. And, and, and I think black, black Panther is like a, a similar, you know, a similar. He's, yeah. Vibe, he's not right? as popular. I don't yeah, he's I mean, not I, I think, I think people know new black Panther cause he was in, well, certainly more cartoons than the guardians of the galaxy, but it wasn't like. Like even Ryan Coogler said, that's not his favorite character. <laughs> He's like, he, like he he likes Spider Man and Iron Man. Like that's his, <laughs> those are his characters. Well, those are the characters they spend the the most time developing, right? Yeah. So it, it's hard not to have those characters just be better because they spent more time thinking about them. Uh, but it's nice just to see all these other like tertiary characters come out and 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 really play with the voices and do something interesting with them. Right, we got on a really weird tangent of superheroes. We got to, got to superhero movies. It's it weird because I was like, I mean, Al Pacino keeps being rumored to be in one of these things, and uh, really, that's the connect. Well, I, I think at one point he was supposed to be Ego, and I think everyone was assuming he was going to be. Well, I guess he could still be this character, so I won't say it. But like, I keep hearing that he's in talks, and then it never materializes. So, what character? It's not a spoiler. Oh, Mephisto, like which is the character everyone thought was going to mm. be in WandaVision. Um, but looks like he could still come up later on, especially right. with stuff that I guess appears in Loki and stuff like that. The, the, it might be a character. I don't Play think in it'll the be devil again. Yeah. I, don't, I think that's why everyone's made that connection, that it's like devil's advocate guy is going to do Mephisto. But I don't think that will happen. I just know that he has had talks at times. Uh, what I think ego being the closest. Nice. We brought it back around. Yeah, there we go. You're nicely done. Well, and <laughs> Serpico's, you know, he's the hero we need. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> Steve Rogers being yeah. like, no, like I won't sign the Sokovia Accords. Like this is the thing to do. <laughs> I could do this all day. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's the he's you know, he's the hero without a cape. And even without a uniform. Yeah, no. He's got a weird hat. And he wants the golden shield. That's kind of his thing. And then, until he gets it, <laughs> this is all coming together. And then he gets it and he's just like, I got shot in the face. And this is what I get. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shot in the face is an intense thing. I, just, I couldn't believe he's still, I mean, they explain it, but I was just like, I can't believe he's still alive after being shot in the face. I feel like that's the perfect he's dead type gun wound. Oh, that was the intention. Yeah. But he made it. Good for uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, so I mean, I, I it'd be interesting to see like a modern version of this now. 
and, and but to get uh, if you could find one, but it's just like I, I, I think the 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 cynic in me has a hard time believing there is a Serpico out there today. I mean, there, I've seen there last year, especially there were. I think they had this mural of like eight cops who didn't get shot in the face, but like <laughs> tried and then were ousted. So they didn't even have hmm. what Serpico had, which was he decided to leave. They were just like cut out from, and they were all, I think they were all part of the NYPD. It was like all these eight, um, there was men, there was women. It, like it looked diverse. Um, and that was like nineties. So it's it was like, yeah, it, it I don't think they can get as far as Serpico now, it seems like. Uh, it, it seems like there's more things in place. Like, there's more bodies in place, like the internal reviews and stuff that are head up by ex-cops, so they feel like, mm, I don't know if I want to do anything against a, a current cop or anything like that. So there's a lot of the things that he was saying, I've heard other cops or former cops talk about. Just There was that scene where they're like, well, you know, like, we don't have to shoot at you. Maybe we just don't show up when you need backup or maybe we don't do this. And that's, I hear people say that even to this day, like, Oh, you can't go against them or else they just won't help you. <laughs> they won't show up for you. They won't have your back. It's scary. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, and something else not just to press the fuck out of it and, and, and level up my brain. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, let's, let's but if we, no matter how you know bleak or depressing or disheartening the content is, you can feel good about good filmmaking. Yes. Yeah. Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet does. Uh, you know, he's okay. He's uh, a good guy. I, I think he made a couple of good ones. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, it's, I was it's, happy to see he directed it. I did. I didn't know that going into it. I was like, "Oh, nice! Here we go." So, oh, this isn't. Gonna, this probably won't suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other final thoughts on Turpico? No, it's it's very um, it's very good at getting its point across. So, like, I I do think it's layered in like all the different ways, but it it's it's a. Uh, the plot is pretty straightforward. You're kind of like, yep, he's uh, he needs to fight back against this corruption, and it's not really going to work out for him. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I thought it did a really nice job of doing that thing that, uh, you know, when you're telling a true story in a movie and not like, you know, loosely inspired by, right. but like, you know, trying to tell like a real person's story. The, uh, I think there's something, I think it did a really nice job of getting that balance between telling us a story that had a, enough of a structure to it that your brain can kind of go along with the ride. Mm-hmm. But it still has a lot of those shaggy loose ends and weird bits and stuff that doesn't connect. That is just because that's what really happened and real life isn't written. And yeah. uh, I do find with like a good biopic or a good, you know, true story dramatized um a different part of my brain gets uh engaged because you kind of can't guess every story turn it's not just going to happen in what's most in a most in the most save the cat way or what's mathematically satisfying things it might just go completely into left field and then back again because the world is weird and and uh you know 
and 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 it gives you an opportunity to talk about more complex problems you know like you were saying about like you know the, the, the cheesy Hollywood note or executive note would be, can we have one bad guy? So there's somewhere we can focus our anger and mm-hmm. it resists that and lets it be a systemic issue, which is, you know, like it's, it's worse than wrestling. Well, sadder. It's like there is no one bad guy to take down. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's the, the challenge. That's the, that's the problem is like yeah. you cut, you cut his head off two more grow in his place. You know, it's one of them. Yeah. And each head is going like, come on, just take a hundred bucks. Yeah, just a little bit. Just be a, I did, I did actually like when he was changing boroughs and they'd be like, that's just like the Bronx, like $300. We do thousands here. And you're just like, oh man, like, they're really going to be mad at him when he tries to stop them. <laughs> well, the one guy even tells Danny, he's like, look, it's like when you fucking stop, like, this is like a lot of money. Yeah. Like, this is what you're dealing with. Like, yeah, don't mess around. The uh, one, one fun fact that I do know about this movie. Um, is the uh, his facial hair is all real because okay. they and they shot it in reverse order with him having huh. the full beard and then they slowly trimmed it up until he was like clean shaven and they shot all the clean shaven stuff at the end. Wow! Huh. All right. Wow. That I that is a beautiful beard that man could grow. I must say the hair and everything. I'm like, he, it's just like that guy's got. He, he's he owns it. Mm-hmm. Him and Chris Christopherson could have. Uh, Done, done well at the clubs. I would imagine. Yeah, no, he, um, knowing that that's all his, I think I, the only time I thought about that was when he um, stopped being the rabbi or the, I guess the Hasidic Jewish person because he takes off some hair. I'm like, oh, I, so then in real life, that must just really be the way he easily just took it off like that. I was just like, that's got to be his real hair, right? Like, wow, good for him. <laughs> nice beard. Yeah, big, big old beard. Looks good on him. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't sport facial hair in a lot of his movies. This, I think, this is one of the few. Yeah, actually, more I think about. It, yeah, yeah. He's often the clean shaven type. Uh, well, thanks for joining me for Serpico. I, I, I'm really glad I rewatched it. This is not a movie that I think I would have been like jumping at rewatching just because I remember enjoying it. But uh, I think I got a lot more out of it this time, and it made, made made me go, "Oh, this is a movie that's worth me checking out every now and then." Especially going, "Yeah, this." This is still a problem. We still yeah. need to fix this shit. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> but it was nice seeing the like. Well, I mean, they cared enough to make a movie about it back in the seventies, and uh, so it's good to know this is, despite what some people say, not a new issue. <laughs> like it, it's something that people have been thinking about for quite some time. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like this was a good. This fills like a nice hole in my uh, my film education. And even though I thought it was Scarface, <laughs> he still ended up with a scar on his face. Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't even make that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice callback. It all came together. Yeah. All right, that, we're going on on that. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, oh, guys. Thank that was fun. That was really fun. Bye. Let's all go to the lo- Thanks for joining us for Serpico. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.